So welcome back, everyone, to the ACE Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Joe, and what we do on the show is explore the self-employed creative life and how you can do your best work. I met this week's guest through salsa dancing in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, when I found out that she was a documentary photographer and I saw her photos, I knew I just had to get her on the show. Her name is Nikki Quamina Wu, and she splits her time between uh, the US, Africa, and Southeast Asia, working on uh, different documentary projects. You know, I always thought that this sort of life, it just seems so romantic. Yeah, you're in some really difficult circumstances, but it just seems like, uh, you know, something they'd make a movie about, you know, being a documentary uh, photographer. And so I, I wanted to understand what this life is really like and, and what uh, the trade-offs are that Nikia has had to make f- from being a commercial photographer and art director in New York City and then choosing this path. I know it's been a while since I've recorded an episode. I've been really hard at work writing a book about living your perfect day. Thanks for forgiving me for for being off the air, so to speak, for um, a few months. But I look forward to sharing that book with you soon. So in the meantime, I hope you enjoy uh, this conversation with the lovely Nikki Wu. Is this the first podcast you've ever been on? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm pumping my fist into the air cutting edge so I will give a a a formal introduction to you (laughs) which it makes me laugh that's awesome but but yeah um I don't know I feel like I I should so how do you say your middle name ah um it's my last name Kwamina Kwamina my mom is Ghanaian Jamaican and so it's a like common Jamaican uh Ghanaian last name Kwamina. Mm-hmm. So Nikki Kwamina Wu. Hey. <laughs> well done. Is a black and Polynesian documentary photographer who divides her time between Southeast Asia, the African continent, and New York City. And her documentary work explores the effects of trauma within communities. Yeah. Um, she's recipient of a number of awards. Uh, including the inaugural Reuters Storytelling Grant. Wow, baller. (laughs) For her work on a Tanzania-based project about the intersection of Western medicine and witchcraft. And as an independent, her clients have included CNN, The Washington Post, Human Rights Watch, BuzzFeed, Apple, The Guardian. Wow. A number of amazing publications. So, Nikki, thanks for coming on this ACE podcast. I'm so glad I roped you into doing this absolutely me too actually i like the like real <laughs> gentle hey what are you up to <laughs> what you up to yeah. what you up to let's hang out with microphones yes perfect that's my favorite thing to do so <laughs> i saw your photos like on on your homepage nikkiwoo.com and your instagram account that's a nice plug thanks <laughs> they, you know <laughs> you gotta do it <laughs> and they like st- grabbed me they stunned me like i was yeah i like fell in love with your your photos thank you and so secretly i was i've been like plotting like i gotta figure (laughs) out how to get you on the show and learn about your career and like how you did all this stuff 
So my first question is like, what does a documentary photographer do? Mm. And is that different than being a photojournalist? Yes. Uh, So the differences are documentary people tend to love to stay with the subjects for a little bit longer. Um, So that uh, Tanzania story, I was with them for about five months, like living with them. Whereas photojournalists just pop in like if they're covering a fire, right? Like it's, it's a single event that's happening and then they leave and they might take a couple of portraits on the day or the next day, but they don't stay in for long periods of time. Got it. Um, there's less nuance to the images as well. And so typically a documentary photographer would stay for, yeah, it's it, anywhere depends. from a day to, I mean, a day, like, you know, 12 hours sitting with someone and talking to them, yes. um, to months or some people do long term projects that are years. Just and how did you so end up becoming a documentary photographer that's a fun you, story like yeah um, what's the journey yeah i was in a i was a commercial photographer and then i became an art director i was at ralph lauren and um, dior and target canada and i was in kenya on holiday in uh like december of one year because you know the industry shuts down for christmas and my company folded like the production because I was at that point at Target Canada and Target had decided to close every Canadian store. And so I was art directing and producing, um, though we shoot in New York. And so like everyone just lost their job. And I was like, why would I go back to New York in the winter? (laughs) This is terrible. And my old assistant rented out my apartment for me, just handled everything in New York, and then I just cruised around East Africa for like six months. I went to climb some volcanoes in the Congo. Um, Just, yeah. How many years ago was this? That was uh, like five years ago. Yeah, like 2015, beginning of 2016. Um, Yeah, so I just did that, and I just had an iPhone with me, and I just kept taking, and I had, you know, I had stopped, I quit being a photographer in New York because I just didn't connect with people anymore. Mm. You know, you're on set, there's an art director in your ear telling you how to turn people, how to pose them. It's, it's a machine on some level, right? Um, so, so I switched into, into art direction myself, which was much, you know, you got to sit back and just think about the technical aspects and the larger image. Um, and so when I was just hanging out with my iPhone, it was great because I started taking photos that I wasn't necessarily trying to, sh- they weren't for a client, they weren't mm. for anyone else. And it was just things that I found beautiful. And it was right around the time that I started an Instagram account, like no big deal, and just started posting photos that I was taking with my phone. And all of a sudden, like I started getting such a great, great feedback from art director friends and from photo editors, like, what are you doing? Like, don't you think you should maybe, can I have this photo? Can we use this one? And um, realized it was exactly what I loved. And I went back to New York for a couple months at the end of that year, and I was like, this is terrible. What am I, I was at, not J. Jill, uh, and Taylor Loft, art directing again, wow. doing production, and yeah. I was like, I hate my life. This is fucking terrible. Sorry, hecking terrible. We're not cursing. Um, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're ready to yeah, here. Right, excellent. No problem. Um, phew, like in 40, on 42nd Street in New York, so yeah, there's like yeah, yeah. just tourists and like, you know, big glass building, and the, you have to get keyed in by the 15 guards through the security, and the... I um, and I just couldn't imagine that being my life anymore because I just didn't care. Like fashion people, they're really committed to 
they, they imagine that fashion is actually like changing the world. Mm-hmm. And it's not, right? I've been living in villages with no running water and like just so much chaos, but joy every day that I couldn't do it anymore. And so um, went back to, mm. to Tanzania and Kenya with a camera and just kind of started shooting projects on my own. Like, all right, well, I need to create a portfolio and working on it that way. So it was that trip to Africa that made you, because it wasn't so hard for you before, right, to be in New York doing what you were doing. Yeah. Or had it built up over a while? Well, I had always been freelance, so I assisted for years with photographers and that kind of thing, and so you have enough down days uh, that it's fine. Like, it's not so chaotic. I I taught at Parsons School of Design for a bit. Um, you know, you do other things. So you're not going to work nine to five. And then that last year I was, you know, every day at work and I was like, this is, this is right. not it at all. Like people, so people just do this. Like they, my, both of my parents are artists. All of my family members okay. are like artists. And so I was like, wait, what? Like <laughs> People just go to work every day from nine in the morning to six o'clock at night forever. And then you get two weeks of holiday. This, no. Like what? It it just, it wasn't, it made no sense to me. And so you went back to, you were in Senegal or? Um, or When I went back, I went back to Tanzania. Yeah. Like in Zanzibar. In Zanzibar. (laughs) Most perfect beach, white sand, noser. It's a really small conservative Muslim community. Women all wear hijab. Um, but then there's this Europe, small European collective because they um, kite surf. So there's still parties and restaurants and this one part of the beach is lovely. So you get to like to live that expat lifestyle where you still have enough of the modern conveniences, but also you get to live with these people, right? Like yeah. the local indigenous culture that's from there and sort of understand their customs. And really I'm an anthropologist like at heart. And so, yeah, it was perfect for me for a while. And then how did this become your thing where you're winning these awards and you're working for Reuters? Yeah, you just start pitching and figuring it out. Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's so all how, hooking. How hook. did you do it? Like, uh, I just started, I would see uh, grant opportunities opening up on like Facebook. like, And so I would just start, wow. I kept applying for them. And, you know, I was chilling on the beach most of right. the day. So like, oh, I'm gonna take three hours every day and work on these grants and you know, that kind of thing. Um, and they just ask you a couple questions and, and you think about stories and start to understand what crafts a story that will both interest you enough that you can stay with it long term, yes. but also get other people to be interested in it, right? So yeah. if I'm telling you about a story about, um, I don't know, making pens, you're bored, I'm bored. That's not gonna sell, no one wants to read that. And really start to understand like what it is that, journalists don't make very much money actually, right? And so, right? I don't know. No, That's yeah, what, yeah absolutely don't. you don't. And so you're doing it because you actually care and it's not about celebritydom and because obviously I worked with tons of celebrities and um, fashion models and that kind of thing and that isn't necessarily what mm. motivates me, especially as you get older, you recognize like, so what, like I don't need a bigger apartment or more clothes, like it just doesn't mean anything to me, um, past a certain point certainly. And so the journalism, you're starting, you're doing projects that, that fascinate me in particular. Like I wanna know 
all about these people's lives. And so you slowly have to figure out what is gonna make other people care about that, right? Like you can't just show someone sitting in a chair, like what is amazing about them and what's beautiful about them. And you get to translate that for a larger audience so that, and for me, it's about empathy and like how to, how to connect people. Like I imagine that that's why the world is filled with so much chaos mm. is because it's really easy to shut everyone else out and only think about yourself. Yeah. And so the images become a way to try and get people to connect and see the beauty of everyone else. Yes. Yeah. I have so many questions for you on that topic itself, but I want to ask about, you mentioned it's also not only finding projects and subjects that you love and that you care about, yeah. but it's also you know, making sure the viewer it's meaningful for the viewer too, or it's impactful on the viewer. So, and you said, yeah. uh, you have to slowly figure that out. So, could you like elaborate? Take, yeah, <laughs> yeah, slowly figuring that out. Yeah, absolutely. What has that process been for you? It's been because actually really slow. You're, you're, yeah, mean, yeah, you're in a new field, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, in fashion and in celebrity photos, it's about lighting, right? Especially with celebrity, you, you're with them for an hour mm. max. You have to light it in such a way that it feels new to the audience. Whereas, hmm. so, you know, it's basically satellite. Like you're just popping in there, lighting. You think about lighting before you get there. You figure out what their faces look like, how to, you know, turn them to the right angles. And with journalism, when I first started taking photos, I was really centered on what it looks like. And especially with the Reuters grant, like you work with an editor for on the, you know, whatever project you pitch for me, it was um, witchcraft and, and Western medicine and how those two things come together in, in Tanzania. And so I would I was photographing certain things and the editor just kept talking to me like, I, I see what's happening, but I don't feel what's happening. And it's it's a lot of people telling you, explaining to you why it's not good enough. Right. Because I'm like, oh, it's pretty. You're not looking for pretty, you're looking for beautiful, like and what that distinction is, like how to connect emotionally through like your the photograph. Soul, the soul of the photographs. Yeah, like absolutely. That, of the not... people that you're talking to, like why you yeah. think that they're beautiful so that you can share that with someone else and like the mood. Yeah, how to photograph mood, I guess. Um, and the and editing is the same way, like you're sequencing it in such a way hmm. that you bring the viewer in with one, the first image, and you bring them through the story in a really sort of loose narrative so that they can follow it and understand. And, you know, the same thing when you see a documentary film, like a yeah. 10 minute, 20 minute, like how you're editing is how people connect. You're pursuing your own projects, but are you also, how do you get into this network where you're, you're getting pitches to do certain sort of work? Ah, um, right. Because yeah. there, there's both, right? Yeah, there's absolutely both. I think it, the way it's been explained to me is that you choose um, a region. So I had been choosing uh, East Africa. That's you know my home, and um, and then after about four years, I realized I couldn't live there long term. But so at that, because I had a, a an Instagram following in East Africa. I was living in a place where there weren't that many other photographers who were shooting the type of stuff I was shooting. And so an NGO, uh, like um, international NGO, what's the other word for NGO? Like uh, development. Nonprofit. Nonprofit mm-hmm. development yeah. people. Um, they always need photos of their farming, like, you know, because they send money to farmers yeah. and that kind of thing. And so you follow up that way. And like slowly and slowly huh. they talk to each other. 
Right. Like, and do you know you get anyone? Plugged into that network of absolutely organizations that need photos. And mm-hmm. Absolutely, which is good. And and it's a much easier market, I have to say, than Southeast Asia because there's not that many people mm. who have the same kind of savvy. Yeah. Um, obviously not if they're from like a village, that kind of thing, but they don't think of art in the same kind of ways, like in terms of photographically that will work for the West. Right. Whereas, and so I just switched my market about a year ago to Southeast Asia, a year and a half. And um, it's harder here because everyone has the same sensibility as the West in terms of like, they understand what the frame is, they can afford the cameras. Um, Yeah, so it's definitely been, and I don't speak, let's say Vietnamese or I speak a little Bahasa Indonesian, but not not great. and so, yeah, it's definitely a harder shift here versus there. And for me, I'm more emotionally connected to yeah. to East Africa. I'm not East African, but like they're so beautiful inherently um, in a way that's taken a little more time because, you know, I, we live in big cities here. Has it been hard for you to uh, to survive as an independent journalist? Journalist. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I, I do want our audience to, to hear about that. I mean, the difficulties of it or maybe doubts you've had along the way. Definitely. Ge- generally when I'm, because pitching is really hard, you pitch to public, you find a story you like, you pitch to a publication and like, you know, 40 publications just ignore you. You're like, no, no, I wrote this really long, perfectly crafted email. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, no, they don't, I think that means or they you don't, don't like hear it. from them. They just ghost you. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, That's tough. and then someone will say, yeah, it's a good story, but it's not right for us right now because of the climate in America or whatever that is. And so you're constantly facing rejection, which is nice about grants. And, and I think the journalism community in general is, is very strong in the sense that because we don't make any money, the network, you can grow within that network very quickly. Whereas in fashion or editorial in the States, like you could work for 15 years and no one knows you, no one cares who you are. Right. Like it's it, it, because you're making a lot more cash. Yeah. Whereas here, whereas or in this field, um, there's always like, especially with COVID, there's been so many talks that I've been on, um, mm-hmm. like how to market yourself with Photoville, like Nat Geo was giving a talk and everyone is invited. There's like a women, a th- women's, um, womenphotograph.com. It's just women worldwide who are photographers and you have to, to be able to get in. You have to be shooting for three years. Yeah. Authority Collective, Diversify Photo. There's all of these groups to help us get grants and that kind of thing. Yeah, so I, for cash, I do pitch grants more often, um, which augments publication. But you trade... Would you say you trade your life now, like pitching for grants, Mm -hmm. working on your own projects, but you know, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't, and pursuing this clearly meaningful work to you versus the stability and great salary, I'm sure, of of your your previous life? Yeah. You know, I think it's different for everyone, and it's definitely not to denigrate um, that universe. And I, I tell this to my students. Um, I think that you find out what works for you. Like I personally am really interested in learning all the time. And once you live in one city for a certain amount of time and it's your culture, after a while you're not learning anything. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, that person looks like this. I know that click. I know that other crew. Like um, it just wasn't quite enough for me. So moving to different cultures, like there's yeah. such a steep buy-in, right? Like it's a slow yeah. learning process that's incredible. Um, so that I don't think I could change. I go crazy. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I would like to shift into more filmmaking, like documentary filmmaking, so that at least you're with news crews or with other people for two weeks. It's not just you pitching. Like that would be really nice. Like it is, it does get a little bit lonely when it's just you. Yeah. Like, oh, I just saw this bombing or whatever it is. And it's just you and no one can understand what no. you're talking about. She's like, oh yeah, that's cool. It's not like it's, you know, to have someone else to share that with would be yeah. incredible. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Because, you know, when I think of like your work and I see your pictures and, you know, everyone, NikkiWu.com, check them out. <laughs> but, you know, you've been in some tough places, like tough situations, the Easter Sunday bombing in Sri Lanka, heroin ports, I mean, on and on, like tough, tough places. But I, I want to actually ask you about that. I want to talk about this idea of how you're able to get in close because the camera is a very obtrusive tool. Absolutely. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, really I, I have like, you know, these questions. It's like place, people, and the photo itself. But like the place, how are you getting into in with farmers or into a dope house or, you know, these place of Quranic faith healers, like yeah. Easter Sunday the bombing that you were at. And unfortunately, like all that stuff. How do you enter that space yeah, with the camera? Access. Yeah, it depends. Uh, in Sri Lanka... Sri Lankans are very open people. They absolutely invited me in and um, asked me to shoot, right? Like one woman, it was she was screaming. Her husband was being taken from her home. Um, and in Sri Lanka, they do a three-day burial or three days there's a viewing in the house. But most people were so maimed that they had to be, you know, gauzed oh. up, but they still did it. And then your entire neighborhood, all your friends and family come to your house, and then they, whatever he was being viewed in is is basically a, a casket, and then they close that casket and carry it through the streets. And then they, you know, your entire neighborhood carries the coffin to the church first for a blessing, and then to the actual cemetery. Um, and people would just say, yes, it's absolutely fine to come into the house, stay with me, you can put your camera in my face because they wanted the world to know about this terrible thing that happened to them, um, which, yeah, it was so surprising. I didn't expect that. Um, whereas in East Africa, partly because where I've been living as a Muslim community, it's a very closed community. And so I went for about a month and a half to these, to like these, um, Quranic meeting sort of yeah. every day and I would just sit there and at first no one would let me photograph and then I started recognizing oh I need to wear hijab first of all because they feel disrespected that like my elbows aren't covered right like all of this needs to be covered um, as well as my hair and then I would just go and just have a camera with me and not photograph anything and I started photographing it was mostly children like sick children so of course you know there's a veil um, and over time a lot of the same parents would come back, mothers would come back over and over, and so they sort of got used to me and decided that it was okay that I that I shoot. But it, it took a while, it was many months. <laughs> I was just sitting and hanging out, and I was in tears a bunch of times. Yeah, it was, it was a lot, for yeah. sure. But other places are easier. Okay, so it's just really dependent, and you just have to make yourself like part of that community. Yeah. You have to earn your stripes. You yeah, can't absolutely. just come in there. Like, 
and rock up yeah rock depending up. on the country because yeah i'm sure your instinct is to do that you, uh, you right? know i mean just like you can yeah. see the perfect photo yeah i would think if i was a photographer i'm not but <laughs> oh gosh i gotta get this yeah yeah maybe not maybe you know interesting i think this is interesting actually about being a photographer of color um there years ago i was living on a white mountain apache reservation in uh, arizona and there's a, a point where they do it was like a sunrise dance so when girls turn when the women first menstruate they get this dance basically mm-hmm. and so they can't touch themselves for i think three days it's been a lot of years i think for three days but they're bathed and fed and clothed by their family members and then there's an entire like circle of people dancing around them they can't eat any food they're covered in mud um, their mothers and grandmothers make their outfits for this dance for years beforehand into this transition. And I was with maybe like 15 other people. One other person was of color and the rest were just like regular white kids from the States. And they would get up and start dancing. And we, both me and the other woman of color were like offended. <laughs> like this is not our culture. Like how dare you? Mm just no one's invited you to dance like that's not okay and they would especially because they're doing it badly and they're just like like, (laughs) oh my gosh like in shock um and so i think the same thing is true when i go into other people's cultures like i'm i wait for them to invite me in Mm. like i don't just force my camera in and every once in a while i have like traveling through ethiopia and you see something cool on the side of a road but those kids they're such gangsters like they'll pick up rocks and throw those shits at you (laughs) and you're like cool Okay, sorry, yeah. my bad. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> cool, I'm gonna put this camera down, whatever, yeah. yeah. So now it's harder to shoot. And then there's, and we have so many, which is probably why like so many, it used to be mostly older white men who ran the documentary and photojournalism community, especially internationally. And I think it's because they get this respect immediately and are mm. very quickly allowed in, definitely not in Muslim communities, but in like other communities. And I could see it like, the BBC was shooting near me in Sri Lanka and uh, one of the ministers came in and he only greeted like the two older white guys who had cameras. There was like a Sri Lankan there. There was like no one else got any time with him, but he was like, oh, you guys must be the ones, right? Which is about the Western and, you know, our colonization, that kind of thing. Um, So yeah, no, I go slowly, personally. (laughs) Wrap that up for you, sorry. Yeah. Off on a tangent. And But this is a very important thing for you to increase like... The representation, yeah, well, and and cha- well, challenge yeah. the stereotype of of that of the photographer yeah. of the Western yeah male photographer, right? And I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily trying to challenge a stereotype as much as I think that you should go into someone else's community right. with respect, respect. Yeah. yeah, which is yeah. how I want someone to come into my community, right? Like, totally. don't just rock in and be like, "Here's my camera, yeah." Boom. whatever you're from some small village i'm everything because i'm from this city like that's disgusting yes. right like we don't want to keep promoting that and you know with your your subjects is it the same thing to gain their trust because you know some of your portraits they're they're all them they're very intimate they're very telling you know mm-hmm. and and you have you know kids farmers fishermen prostitutes you're in their homes yeah like that's how do you get that access same, same, same thing. yeah same thing like you just hang out and with them yeah, and let wow. them float and you know sometimes they relax into it sometimes they don't and then you just keep going back until you feel like you have it mm. 
I mean, I think the hard part for me that I didn't recognize before is that you then form these lifelong relationships that I didn't expect or or ask for yeah. <laughs> really sometimes. I know a woman, I was on a panel with her. Her name is Sarah Stack. And she, I think she works out of South Africa a bunch. And she says in this one community, she goes like three months a year. She does everything for that community now. Like families call her and they need her to take, they need her to drive them to the hospital. Mm. Oh, my kid is sick and he needs this. Oh, this is happening with the school. Like, and because they mm. consider you part of the community, yeah. like yeah. you're all in, like you're a family member, which is a lot of pressure. You're like, no, no, wait. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could take all five of the kids to, to ice cream today or wow. to the fair. Like, yeah. Um, so that's been interesting. So I have a pretty big family now. <laughs> yeah, it must be hard Basically. to hard to leave these places too. Sometimes, I mean, yeah. sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's perfectly necessary. fine. Yeah, really, <laughs> like the heroin so addicts. I would run into them in the yeah, streets. I, I don't remember like terrible. that series in particular. I, I was just thinking, how did you get into a place like this, and didn't you feel unsafe? And um, the, it was a. I had a fixer with me. So a friend of mine, I just asked a bunch of people, which is the great thing about living in small communities. Someone, everyone knows everyone, right? Yeah. Like they've lived there all their lives and it's, you know. And so I asked a bunch of people if they had any relatives that were addicted to heroin in this small island. Um, and eventually a friend was like, yeah, actually I do know someone. And so I interviewed him. And then over time he allowed, he brought me with him. But because I knew his like nephew, I was sure that he wouldn't rob me. <laughs> right, right, right. There and was a, like, yeah. a third relationship or absolutely, like which is how you go in, right? Because for so crazy. definitely the guys could have robbed. There were, I mean, there were definitely some moments that were a little sketchy. Um, but mostly, more interestingly, it was about their sense of faith that was really shocking like mm. i was with like six dudes shooting up and in like a alleyway between some houses in the middle of ramadan yeah. and i was my head was covered i was wearing a hijab i was wearing like a long thing my neck you couldn't see my neck but my dress the sleeves didn't come all the way down to my wrists and at some point they started cajoling me like what is wrong with you like you're just it's ramadan like why are you come like you are sucking a glass pipe like what are yeah. you talking but their sense of like like yeah. masculinity and like what's right Problems. for me and yeah. their pro it, i was like this is fascinating i don't know how to photograph that but like deeply enmeshed sexism dope cool uh, yeah. and would a project like that like let's take that project in particular was that commissioned or did you just you yeah. got a tip and you're like i want to enter this world i so this is yeah <laughs> like the this thing this is what i'm trying to understand about <laughs> you nikki sorry no it's whatever is interesting to you like you're the photographer you're the documentarian so if there's something that you learn about in a community and it's like wow that's really interesting i didn't expect that so in this really conservative um, archipelago, I did not expect there to be heroin addicts. Like, why would there be heroin addicts? Like, yeah. people don't, right? And so, one, because it's a porous um, border, basically, and so, like, getting through the European route from Afghanistan, that kind of thing, is much more um, patrolled nowadays. So, 
drug writers are going the opposite all the way around. And so, okay, great. So now there's drugs. It's cheaper. And also a lot of um, like Italian tourists come through and they're doing heroin. Mm. And so they offer it to like their local guide, like, oh, do heroin with me, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And most people said that they didn't realize it would be so addicting. Like everyone's lost their wives, they've lost their family, lost their families, um, which I was shocked by, just because, you know, so everyone's yeah. so buttoned up, there's no pork on the island, there's yeah. no, you know, there's no skin, the kids are covered, they go to um, Madrat to like Islamic school every day, yeah. And, yeah, and so, is language so, ever a barrier? Definitely, because <laughs> you got a camera, you <laughs> yeah. don't speak the same language. Yeah, for sure. Um, in Zanzibar, it's okay because um, I can speak a bit of Swahili enough to like get by. And then I had someone with me, like the wow. uncle who was with me, and he spoke some English. Right. In Sri Lanka, everyone speaks English, no problem. Um, but in Senegal, I don't speak French well. And it's French and Wolof mostly, but yeah, both of those languages for me, not I don't do that well at all. So I actually, like the first day, usually you just meet someone randomly who's walking around, who, and so it was like a tour guide, yeah. some like older 50-year-old tour guide who was like, oh yeah, if you, you, know, if you need me to show you like the sites um, in this village, it, it was about coastal erosion, and uh, a couple of days later I was like, oh wait, I should go talk to that guy. Yeah. Hey, can I pay you to like come around with me right. and translate? And he was like, yeah, cool, whatever. So, so then yeah. he became my fixer. And, you know, we used Google Translate a lot, but still, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, is it as romantic as it sounds? <laughs> no. It's, it's terrible sometimes. <laughs> terrible. Like you meet, uh, there was a six-year-old girl who, um, the images aren't up on my site, she, because I couldn't, Mm, it, yeah. she was raped um, and her mother brought her to this like one stop clinic um, and the entire time her mom is berating her for being raped because she's it's a Muslim yeah. place and the little girl was playing in her front yard and a man walked by and he was like little sister can you tell me where the mosque is and this little girl was like oh it's over there and he's like no sister you know show me physically show me so she goes in the house gets her hijab Comes back out, shows him. They find her in the bushes many hours later. For sure, the mother and the and the community was like, she clearly asked for it. Like she wasn't wearing her hijab the whole time. She was oh, disgusted. Yeah. Like, I, like I know too much about humanity at this point. <laughs> I don't think I needed to know. Um, curiosity sometimes mm. is yeah, getcha. But then I moved to like lovely places like this to try and get away from yeah. that level of depravity. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's too much, for sure. Which is why when we dance, I find it like... Yeah. Nothing you, on your mind. Well, you kind of have to lean into the joy, right? Like, because yeah. there's... The rest of it isn't necessarily joyful, so you lean into what really makes you happy. And there's a lot less bullshit. And people who are who talk nonsense or like gossiping the entire time like i just yeah. don't care yeah like, do you know that i saw a child that was dismembered yeah last month like no no let's talk about deeper things how do you see your your your, your purpose you know i that's a, i know that's a big question i mean as a as a documentary photographer right mm -hmm. i mean you see like yeah. such an awful thing yeah. You see such wonderful things too, and you're traveling to all these places. You're yeah. meeting all sorts of people. Some things hit, some things don't. 
Absolutely. What, what you know? What what keeps you? What fuels you to do the work? Motivated. Um, I th- I, I think for everyone it's a little bit different. For me, I think that documentary creates empathy, uh, and, and it doesn't mm. it doesn't really really change the world, as it's been pointed out. Um, but there are some times that it does. Um, this wonderful man, his name is Ron Haviv. He is a photographer, um, and he he was just giving like a talk at a you know uh, like a seminar thing, and he photographed a lot of um, like in the former Yugoslavia, like when Milosevic is pulling out and like the killing of all the Muslims, and he the soldiers would rape someone and then shoot them in the head, or if it was just a man, they would just bring them outside and shoot them in the head, and Ron was standing there. And the soldiers had a gun to his head, and so he and they said, "Don't photograph." And so he didn't. Um, and he said, after he went back stateside for like months, he was just so depressed, right? Because he witnessed this, but he didn't document it. And he made a promise to himself that if he was ever in that situation again, he he would take the photo, right? Because that's that's the choice. And he said a month later, he found himself back there, and the gun was still to his head, and he took the photos. But his images put seven different war criminals away because they were able to use those photos in the tribunals, in the trials. And, like, amazing. <laughs> really. Like, he, his, and he is also, like, the warmest, kindest. It doesn't matter if he's talking to a waitress or a shoeshine boy. He is so filled with love and warmth and presence because he's seen such terrible things that it forces you to see the beauty of humanity as well, right? To counteract that or to balance it. Um, and I think that that's the point, for me anyway. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would make the same yeah. choice in the same way, but that the fact that it could help save mm. people is amazing to me. Yeah. How do you feel with, like, I mean, clearly your Instagram account, that helped you land a lot yeah, of gigs. Yeah, absolutely. But how do you feel about being a photographer right now when everyone has a camera and can take pictures and we're almost drowned? Yeah. In images and, um, you know. Yeah. I, that's yeah. a big question. And it's no. hard to, to, to part, like, parse the truth of a photo. For sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? Like, what was the context of, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So many questions. Maybe the only part that's difficult, I was living in Bali for a bit just to sort of, you know, relax. And uh, a lot of, you'll go to a place that's beautiful and it's overrun with tourists who don't actually connect with the place. They're just popping in to a photo and then jumping and like, ah, oh my God, we're in Bali. And they're really sacred places sometimes. Or they yeah. go to the beach and you're like, oh, this amazing beach is white sand. Oh. Now there's 27 girls in bikinis posing with potty lips. What's that pursing lips thing with the potty duck lips? lips? Duck lips, sorry. Can we call them potty <laughs> yeah, lips? <I> know. <laughs> yes, coined. Um, on the beach and you're like, what are you doing? Go swimming, chick. Like, yeah. get it. Like, what? You, it, yeah. So that part kind of grosses me out, but it's just so commercial. So that part is, prob- mm. is problematic. Um, but, and also the fake news aspect of it. I went out with someone for a second and he was like, yeah, but it's all fake news. I'm like, no, no, no. So in journalism, 
you if you do anything to a photograph, if you remove hair, a piece of trash in the corner, and your publication finds out, you're barred from photography. Like you'll never work again as a journalist. And so a hundred percent that is not it can't be fake news. Like images can't be changed. Um so certainly not fake news. And I think that that is problematic for me yeah. when people are just like, oh, it's all nonsense in the paper and like all that's fake. It's not. Right. That's a bigger And you just, issue. do you believe to kind of just let your work speak for itself? Like, right? Like, yeah. I mean, so yeah. many photos. Yeah. And yours yeah, yeah. So grabbed many photos. me. Thanks. It's like, like it's in, there's a, yeah. a feeling. Yeah, it's through. an instant connection that you should have with the world right yeah but i think that's the hard part and like finding yeah. things that are that enigmatic that will actually you know that's new something different that's I the mean, hardest what's your part. practice surrounding that do you have a practice surrounding that no i just take a lot of pictures well i th- <laughs> right yeah. like after a while your eye becomes more discerning so like oh. the difference between like a five-year-old kid getting dressed or us in our 30s right like you know that you don't wear a striped shirt with like uh stripes going the opposite way with pants with then a like neon this and you know you recognize that that doesn't make sense visually right. and the same thing happens over time if you're a photographer like yeah. you recognize what doesn't work and so you try to like oh i need to look at my entire frame and see that there's someone walking into the frame that side that there's this light flare or whatever it is um and especially because i travel so much or move around so much i know what's kind of different yeah. from another someone a photo that someone else took yeah i'm starting to i'm getting better at it slowly right. slowly right because it's different than being just in studio which is who i was before which means you gotta look at a lot of photos yeah i look at a lot right? of photos and yeah your, and you have your heroes too you yeah have definitely your, seen, you know yeah. on some we'll link to um yeah. how you can learn more about nikki and some of her <laughs> interviews you know on reuters she's the guardian actually can i ask you about a quote or two <laughs> sure. uh, you found some quotes okay cool that's what I do. I find quotes. <laughs> this was really interesting when um, during your the, the Reuters grant, right? Mm-hmm. And and you said that you have to gain people's trust and forge relationships with them, and so that they welcome you into their lives uh, to tell their stories. And uh, you said initially I had a really time a really hard time because I was worried I might take more than I was giving. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you could see that like through that. the photograph. And not through the photograph, but in the moment, I felt like a thief. Like, because yeah. this is a constant concept yeah. I've, I've seen, you know, in your quotes. Like, you gotta, you know, shoot what you love and make sure your heart is in is, is in the right place, right? And yeah. into the types of images you're shooting, and like this idea of taking, giving, and the love that you're feeling for the subject, and that somehow it comes through in this, you know, two dimensional. Frame, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the dream, right? That's what we're Is trying it? to. Yeah, I think for photographers, that's the dream. Like, you want to be able to to translate for the rest of the world. I mean, so we live in Vietnam, and when you talk to friends who live in in LA or California or just the states, trying to translate how incredible Vietnam is to them. Like they don't know what you're talking about. It's one of my biggest challenges for someone who has never been here. Absolutely. Like how can I convey this? Exactly. And so partly you could take like tourist photos of of buildings, but how to get that, the feeling of being here into an image so that they start to be able to understand. 
is that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, which is hard. Tell me the secret of that. <laughs> yeah. so I can, is it, can it's you, really hard. On the podcast, is it? It's totally hard. <laughs> no, it, you can't distill it to two minutes. Yeah, I think if you, well, maybe actually, if you if you are really Please. feeling something, like you need to understand composition and that and yeah, light right. and that kind of thing. So the once technique. you get past, yeah, once you get past the technical portions, I'm if something moves me in a moment, then if I take a photo of it, sometimes it translates. Oh. It's not, it's not rock, it's not hard. I mean, conceptually it's not hard. In, right. in practice it's difficult for sure. <laughs> you make good faces. Uh, I make good faces? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, audience, you should know I make good faces. <laughs> um, okay, I, I think that's, yeah. I guess one more question I had is, I noticed you're a member of, you know, APJD, Women Photograph, Diversify Photos, Authority Collective. Clearly, you see this need to join these groups and contribute to them yeah. and like elevate each other. Yeah. Like, what is the role of of this in independent journalism, right? Because yeah. I feel so. All of those groups are um, of either women or people of color, and so there has been a big push in the last like five to however many years of one um like about 20 percent of bylines in the world are female like wow. editors consistently give the work to men even though there's women who are already who are also living in those communities who want to photograph as well as they'll give it to europeans or americans versus like someone who's living who's syrian or afghani who's living in those communities who knows how to photograph, who takes right. a good photograph. Um, speaks the language. Speaks the language, like it's their culture, that kind of thing. So there's a big push currently to try and get more yeah. people from those communities um, in. And so Women Photograph is just a listing of of all the women photogra photographers around the world who, and it, it lists you by region. So if I'm an editor at the Washington Post and I need someone to photograph in, um, Thailand, this is a list of all the people who are in women who are photographing in Thailand and you get mm -hmm. to see their work and it links to their perfect. websites. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So in the same thing with Diversify Photo, like it's run by um, an authority collective, like some New York Times photo editors of color who also want journalism and documentary to be much more inclusive. Yes. Especially when they're covering, like the first person to photograph, first black person to photograph a Vogue cover in like 115 years or whatever was like, last year the That's first time so ever crazy, yeah. yeah absolutely like what there's no reason but editors consistently just photograph or allow pe hire people who they know and so it, there's a problem with that right yeah. and so yeah so that's why Very i like cool. proudly list yeah like yeah <laughs> these are yeah. our groups like yeah um last question is sure. is like so our, a lot of our listeners they want to pursue this life that you have chosen the last five years with all its ups wow. and downs you know they Impressive. want to be creative self-employed yeah people so what what did i not ask you <laughs> you know like what did i yeah. just was the big blind spot here in this in this talk about that about yeah. succeeding in that sort of that sort of life that lifestyle for you you know i maybe not a blind spot but and this is i think something that i talk about with kids in it in it Professor said this to me when I was in school and like pursuing fashion and he was like, yeah, you can shoot it, but is it 
it's not really who you are and is this what you love? And I was like, whatever, I'm like, shut up, dude. Fast forward 10 years, and I'm like, oh no, I totally don't love it. It's clear in my work that that's not the thing that I love, but it's, you know, there's much more money in it, it's a quicker turnover, it's you just learn tech and then you're fine, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't care about what this season's fashions are. Not really, like, you know, aesthetically it's interesting, but not truly, not the way that I care about anthropology and community and culture. And so, and even hanging out with people from each of those groups, yeah. you can, it's very clear that I'm not a fashion person, like as soon as I talk to them, right? Like I, we're talking about different things. Um, but when I hang out with journalists, conversation can go on for days because they're also fascinated by the same things. And I think that that's the biggest thing is you should figure out mm. if you're in the creative field, um, like photography or filmmaking, the things that really, really turn you on versus this is a great career track. And there's lots of people who are bankers first and then realize right. that's not what they wanted to do. And that's fine. And, you know, it's all of our journeys. But um, it would help circumnavigate that, <laughs> those yeah. years wasted. Or not wasted, but, you know, spent. Thank you so much, Nikki. Absolutely. It's been so fun. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Go team. <laughs> Thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, just getting a glimpse into, you know, what, what this world has been. And I, there's so much more, but like... Yeah. You know, if you want to learn more, you know where to go. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. Definitely. Happy days. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed that episode, press subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. It helps more people discover the show. I sincerely appreciate it. And if you want to join the conversation and get some goodies, get on our email list. Go head over to upstartist.tv slash ace. That's A-S-E. And I hope to see you there.